Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh my goodness. Five, four, three, two, one. From inside the warehouse at Oriole Park at Camden Yards, it is the Masson All Access Podcast brought to you by Toyota. For legendary safety and reliability, choose Toyota and let's go places. Paul Mancano, Brenda Mortensen, and joined by Orioles Director of Player Development, Matt Blood, here on the couches. Matt, thanks so much for taking the time. I hope you're not sinking too far into the couches. <laughs> no, no, this is great. Thanks for having me. It's uh, been a long off season so far. We're Almost at the end, getting closer to spring training. Has it been a productive, fruitful, good offseason for you so far? Very good offseason. Very good offseason. I like where we are with uh, with our staff, with our resources. I think we're in a good spot right now. So on a much more serious note, we brought you in and you had a look at the all-future Orioles draft that Paul and Tim Leonard and I did with our teams that we are hoping are successful in 2025. Uh, can you please explain to the good people at home why my team is by far the best one on this board? <laughs> well, I do like the color blue, so that's there we that's, go. Uh, gives you an that's advantage. points for me. It gives yeah. you an advantage. Uh, but uh, this board is it's fun to see this board because it's three teams full of Oriole prospects or players, and there's a lot of good names on that board. And to be able to have this many good players in the organization uh, is is very exciting. I think you could make a case for each one of these teams uh, as being being successful. So uh, really cool, just fun exercise uh, you guys you guys had there. And uh, I see Paul's team with uh, the three infielders, the three shortstops uh, on the infield. That's too many. Uh, no, that's exciting. You have a gold glover. <laughs> you have a gold glover at DH. Yeah. Uh, so that tells you something about the defensive uh, capability of that team. So, uh, no, uh, re- really need to see this uh, and all the all the talent on that board. Well, that plays into our next question because speaking of the three shortstops, there, you have all these guys in the system right now that are versatile. I mean, looking at my team, not to, to tout my own team here too much, Brendan. Yeah, sure. Joey Ortiz, Jordan Westberg, Jackson Holiday, three guys that could play shortstop at all levels and maybe at the big leagues eventually. To have all those guys have the ability to play shortstop, to play second base, to play third base, how much do you emphasize versatility when it comes to uh, young position players coming up through the system? Uh, it's very important uh, for that reason right there. I mean, for the manager, whenever uh, these players make it to the major leagues, it just uh, makes their life a lot easier. He, he can write uh, their name on the lineup in multiple spots and just, just really gives us some flexibility uh, to, to have our best lineup out there each night. Now, there are a lot of high-end shortstops in the system right now. Do you think that kind of makes us overlook some guys like Daryl Hernandez, maybe Freddie Ben Cosme, some of those infielders a little bit lower down in the system in terms of rankings, but who are still really solid prospects? Sure. I mean, when you have 10 players, somebody has to be ranked number nine and somebody has to be ranked number 10. Right. Uh, so uh, that is the case. But I think the the thing that's really good about it is the competition level is very high in our organization because of the depth that we have and and really that makes everyone better uh so so those two players you just mentioned ben cosme and hernays uh they're young exciting players and it's it's nice to have them uh pushing the envelope for those ahead of them 
Now, the Orioles brought in a new class of international signees recently. Kobe Perez announced the 27 signees just a few days ago. When it comes to the work that's being done down in the Dominican, how much do you oversee that kind of development when it's you know probably more difficult to get to and Kobe Perez has a large hand in that? Do you have a lot of overlap when it comes to developing those young players? That's a great question. I'm uh, actually uh, flying there this week. Oh, so nice. I will be down Look at the academy time. yeah, <laughs> to see uh, all the young players that uh, we just signed and see our staff. Uh, we've done a lot of work down there to, uh, I guess, upskill uh, our staff, and we've brought in some, some new people as well. Uh, we've realized that it takes uh, resources and it takes uh, a lot of time to do a good job there. So uh, Jackson McDonald uh, is someone that we've sort of charged with, with being there more often uh, than, than myself, and so he's, he's a big part of the operation there as well as Sam Vega, who – uh, we hired last year to uh, essentially run the academy, and uh, they're doing a great job uh, getting these players uh, sort of acclimated to professional baseball and then also helping prepare them for what they're going to um, encounter whenever they do come over to the United States. I'm, I'm glad to use the word acclimated, too, because I think what gets forgotten sometimes by people outside baseball organizations is just how young these kids are and just how much they have to learn about being a professional, not just being a baseball professional, but just being the best baseball player they can, but how to carry themselves, how to go about their business. What kind of challenges do you or your staff incur when you're working with somebody who is that young, who has so far to go before sure. they can uh, can reach the United States? They're very young uh, and really just underdeveloped in general. Uh, so there's a lot of work that goes in. Uh, on the field, in the weight room, uh, in the classroom. Uh, Anaima, she does a great job teaching our players English, but also life skills. Uh, and our coaches are sort of charged with the same. Uh, so it's really everything, and they they need it. You know, So uh, we, we give them a lot of love and care uh, to try to help give them as good a chance to have success whenever they do come over from uh, the Dominican academy to the United States, to Florida, uh, to, to hit the ground running and, and to continue their development. And over the last few years, we've seen the farm system grow from high draft picks and from trades and other things like that. In the international market in general, just kind of taking a step back from it, how exciting is it for you to see the growth of what this system has turned into in Baltimore? Very, very exciting. I mean, without an international department, you know, your depth in your system is just not as good as other organizations. And it takes a long time to, to get from being signed at age 16 all the way you know, to where you're, you're a substantial prospect. And uh, we're getting closer to that being the case now in our organization. And uh, the org is very deep in talent, uh, as, you know, really throughout the whole org. Uh, but you're now going to start seeing some some Latin American names on that list uh, in the years to come, which is only going to just help uh, improve the overall group. One story that came out in the middle of the year that may have gotten forgotten about simply because the Orioles were in the middle of a wild card race was the development of the pitching lab on MedStar's campus in Bel Air. What kind of results have you seen from that pitching lab so far, and uh, what can you tell us about uh how that's going. This was something we put a lot of time and effort into. Uh, it's really exciting because uh, we have really good coaches and staff that can utilize this information well. 
And to me, that was the, the key was before we went out and just, just built a lab and bought equipment, we needed to make sure we knew what we were going to do with the information that, uh, that it provides. And so we have that in place. And uh, I think our players uh, are seeing that the information is valuable and helps us really fine tune and hone in on uh, some, some practice design stuff that we need to implement with them. Uh, so uh, it's, it's just a tool that, that just really helps us do better for the players and help them get closer to reaching their goals. Now, it seems like a lot of the younger players that come up through the system have really embraced a lot of the, the newer advanced analytics. With something like that pitching lab, do you see a lot of the veterans buying into that as well? We know Jordan Lyles was a pitcher who used that last year. Mm-hmm. How do you see the veterans buying into that kind of new information? Well, I think all players want to get better. Uh, I think the more veteran of a player you are, the more you've seen, the more coaches you've been around. And uh, it takes a little longer to get their, their trust because you know, their, their gauges are a little higher. And I think what we're seeing is that the information that's being provided from the pitching lab as well as you know, many other things that our, our coaches do is really good. And the way it's presented, uh, the players, uh, their, their trust level is high. And it's because uh, I think our coaches are doing a really good job of providing them with actionable, real information. Developing pitchers is obviously going to be key as this rebuild continues and as the Orioles look to win more ball games in the upcoming seasons. The Orioles had eight prospects that made the Baseball America Top 100, and D.L. Hall, Grayson Rodriguez were the only two of those eight pitching prospects or of those eight prospects. How do you feel about the overall depth of pitching prospects in this organization right now? I, I think that it's pretty good. I, I think it's a little bit underrated. Uh, maybe the, the, the top-end names, you know, they're not as, as uh, recognizable, but uh, our system has performed well uh, on the pitching side, and we have a really good development process that uh, we feel like we're able to maximize uh, the ability of, of some of these lower – drafts. I mean, you know, we haven't drafted many uh, pitchers all that high, you know, since I've been here and, and, and that's okay. Cause I, I think that we developed them very well. Uh, we also trade uh, pretty well for some, uh, there's, there's some, some players that aren't on that list that I think you're going to hear from uh, this coming season. So uh, I feel good about it. Now, a few newer guys that we haven't gotten a chance to see a ton of one of which being Seth Johnson, obviously was injured last year. Any updates on him, how he's coming along in his injury rehab? Yeah, he's doing well. Uh, this guy's a workhorse, uh, incredibly, uh, re- honestly, really smart and uh, really competitive with his, uh, his uh, rehab uh, plan. And uh, he's down in Florida and working well with our, with our staff and he'll follow that progression all the way through the year and we'll see what happens. And Cade Povich, Chase McDermott, two other guys that uh, joined the organization right around the trade deadline. What have you seen from them? Smaller sample size uh, in getting to see these two guys, but what have you seen from them so far? Well, that would be two, two of the names that I was thinking of yeah. uh, when <laughs> I said you might, hear, you might hear from them this season. But yeah. those two guys are both highly competitive, uh, very talented. They have major league stuff. Uh, they're they're exciting to watch. So uh, th- this will be a fun year, I, I think, for, for both of them in this org. Other than those two and Seth Johnson, anybody else that uh, whose name you'd like to mention just who sure. may be in that conversation? Yeah, there's some, some on that board there. You know, I, I, I think uh, Justin Armbruster is one yeah. uh, for, for people to keep an eye on. Uh, Carlos Tavera is another uh, really, really good stuff. Uh, so I, th- those are two names that I would – 
I'd kind of earmark. Now, with Kate Povich specifically, I think when that trade happened, he wasn't exactly ranked super high in a lot of prospect rankings, but it seemed like the Orioles had a good sense that, yeah, maybe he has even high end of the rotation potential. With Povich specifically, what do you think his ceiling looks like? Yeah, everything is a major league starter. He's got uh, a lot of weapons, very competitive on the mound, throws strikes. So I think he has the pedigree to be a major league starter. We'll, we'll see exactly where he lands in a rotation. Uh, but you know, I, I, we have we have high expectations for him. We talked a little bit back at the winter meetings about Drew Rahm as well, somebody who is ranked pretty high in terms of the Orioles' top thirty. And somebody who is pretty advanced for his age, being in his age 22 season, I believe, last year and making it all the way up to AAA, do you feel like he could be somebody who factors into the big league conversation, whether in the rotation or the bullpen in 2023? I sure hope so. You know, being on the 40-man roster, you know, that uh, sort of puts him in uh, earshot of that, you know. So, uh, again, another multiple-pitch guy. He's been in the org a while. He is young, but uh, he feels like he's a veteran and uh, going to compete out there. So absolutely, we hope we hope that he's a productive uh, player for the Orioles this year. Now, Paul and I on this podcast talk a lot about prospect rankings because we're not at games every day. We're not seeing these guys that often. So that's kind of the information that we have to go with. How often do you pay attention to any of those you know, top 100 rankings? Is it more just a feather in the cap kind of thing? Is like, hey, these media outlets think highly of the system? Or is that anything you like really pay attention to? Uh, I mean... Obviously, I'll see them or, or see some tweets about it. I, I don't really harp on it too much or worry about the actual rankings themselves. Uh, I, I think that they're fun to do. Uh, but for us, our job is to is to get them to be major leaguers. And so not, not worried about whether they're ranked number 10 or 5 or wherever. You know, that's really not our job. Our job is to get them to the major leagues and help us win games. I know Joey Ortiz was somebody that you said – you thought was always probably un, you know, underthought of by people outside the organization, but the Orioles have always felt good about him internally. Now to see he's kind of getting a little bit more respect mm-hmm. from the outside, does that feel good? Do you feel a little validated by it, that? It feels good. I hope he keeps his chip on his shoulder though. He doesn't, he doesn't, <laughs> you know, get lazy, which he won't. He's yeah. he's uh, he's an he's an incredible incredible guy. But uh, uh, yeah, it's it, it's nice to see him getting a little bit of love for what he can do. I mean, he's a legitimate shortstop. And uh, his bat has come a long way since he was first drafted, and now it's pretty exciting. So uh, this is a guy that I love to watch play uh, baseball, and I'm looking forward to seeing him out here. So when the new Top 100 for MLB Pipeline drops this Thursday, are you going to be watching? Are you going to be critiquing as it's going along, scoffing at any of the rankings? Uh, I will we'll probably see it at some point, and I'll take a look and say, oh, that's that's cool, and We'll go on about my day. Okay. So I'm not going to worry about it too much. <laughs> Do you ever get a good laugh from looking at like MLB pipeline or fan graphs, maybe their top 30 or 40, whatever it might be, and just going, yeah, that's wrong. There's no way. <laughs> uh, you know what? It's their job to do that. I, 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 don't, I don't know enough about all the players uh, sure. in the, right. the universe of, of prospects to really critique what, uh, what they're doing. And they're thinking about it a lot more than I am. Uh, but when I see some of our players' names on there, I – you know, I, I smile and say, you know, good for him, but he's still got some work to do. The organization's reputation now for player development has grown so massively over the last few years. Kyle Gibson, when he signed, he specifically mentioned uh, how this organization has a great reputation already of 
developing guys who are veterans, thinking of his former teammate Jordan Lyles. Uh, Luis Almeida, who just signed, who's the jewel of that international signing class, he mentioned how the Orioles have the best prospects and have the best process of developing those guys. How rewarding is it to hear that come from players and to know that your reputation has grown around the league? Well, what it what's most, I guess, rewarding is that the players who are the most important part of this whole thing are are feeling like they can trust what we're doing. And and that's really what all the work that we do is for. Uh, you know, we, we really harp on providing a clear and consistent message to the players and providing real, actionable, good information. And through that, hopefully we will get buy-in and trust from the players so that our coaches can can do as good a job as possible with helping them. And when you hear things like that, uh, it makes you feel like, okay, we're, we're on the right track towards uh, being able to collaborate with these players in a way that they trust and, uh, you know, that is productive. And we're already seeing some young guys make a big impact at the big league level. We saw the Orioles, at least record-wise, improve a lot last year. A lot of the top prospects in this system right now are at the AAA level or they're getting close to the big leagues. Does that change the blueprint in terms of development at all, or, or are you just trying to stick to the original plan with those guys? Is there any sense of, hey, this guy could really help us at the big league level, let's try to get him there a little quicker, or is it just kind of status quo there? No, the, the blueprint is how can we make this player as good as possible? That's it. Yeah. And so that's what we do. We try to maximize uh, their ability. We try to be as efficient with it as possible because they only have – so much time, you know, the, the clock is ticking as soon as they sign their contract before uh, the next player tries to uh, essentially overtake them. Yeah. Uh, and so we really uh, take that seriously, that that efficiency is important for their development. Uh, so, uh, no, we're all about just helping every single player maximize their ability. And uh, once they get close to the major leagues, then, you know, that's when you maybe you make some slight adjustments on on helping them fit in with the, the team, but uh, that's just a very, very small piece. We talked pitchers, we talked middle infielders. One more position I want to get your thoughts on first base, and obviously the Orioles have their plan in place at the big league level for at least the next couple of years with Ryan Mountcastle. It's great to have a fixture at that spot. In terms of organi- organizational depth behind him at first base, do you feel good about the guys that you have with it, Jacob Teeter and others in the system? And do you feel like first base is a position that could be more easily taught to a prospect? Like on our board, we had Kobe Mayo playing first base. We had John Rhodes playing first base. Mayo being a primary third baseman, Rhodes being a primary outfielder. Do you feel like you could teach somebody first base more easily than other positions so that they can get to the big leagues faster? Sure. I mean, first base, you got to hit. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's, just, let's just be honest about it. Uh, and oftentimes players land at first base when that wasn't where they, they originally played, Mountcastle right. being being one of them. Uh, so, you know, as long as we have players that uh, can hit and uh, players that know how to play general defense, we'll, we'll figure out uh, first base. But we, we do have some good names. You said Teeter. I mean, I think T.T. Bowens is starting to – you know, really make a name for himself as well. This will be a fun year to watch him uh, play. But um, I'm, I'm not I'm not worried about uh, the depth at first base. I'm just more worried about the depth of 
players in general that are going to be productive major leaguers. Bowen's the Aberdeen Ironbirds player of the year. We're going to see him him in Bowie start the year, maybe? That would be fun. (laughs) (laughs) Not tipping your hand. I like it. (laughs) Now, we already talked about some underrated pitchers in the system. You mentioned guys like Arm Brewster. Always like to ask you this question because, you know, like last year you were talking about a guy like Joey Ortiz, who is maybe a position player in the minor league system right now, or a few that we're not talking about enough. (laughs) <laughs> well, you already mentioned Ben Cosme to me. Uh, you know, I, he's one that I uh, have really come to enjoy watching play. He's really young. I mean, he was in the Dominican Republic a year ago uh, and then made it all the way to high A this year. So that's a guy that uh, I think is worth keeping an eye on. Uh, you know, I think we're still learning what, what he really is and what he can do. But uh, that that's definitely – uh, I got to keep an eye on. I mean, it's, it's a really hard question for me just because we have we have so many good players uh, and um, they're all out there com- competing hard. So uh, I really don't want to go through too many names, but uh, that, that's the first one that can, comes to mind for me. Well, that's encouraging because the Orioles just don't have any high-end shortstops in the system. <laughs> I mean, they really need an influx. Here. Not enough, truly. Yeah. Let me tell you. <laughs> Do you ever feel like there's never enough if, if you're – you know, looking at the board, do you feel like you could still grow at certain positions, even though right now they're pretty loaded across the board? Oh, definitely. I mean, there, you can never have enough competition is a is a good thing. And uh, the more players have to play other positions because we have too many good players at that position, the better for, for everyone. Finally, before we let you go, how far is North Carolina going to go this year in basketball? In basketball? Yeah. Well, they made a nice run last year uh, with a very similar team. So, uh, you know, they've, they've been a little bit up and down this season. But, uh, you know, Caleb Love t- yeah. typically seems to figure it out whenever we get to tournament time. So I, I feel good about their chances. you got the Tar Heel blue on, so you're, you're really – Oh, look at that. Feels like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah we have, I mean, we have the Syracuse accent orange kind of. But, yeah, I mean, Syracuse was maybe ACC? a bubble team. Yeah, ACC, but, I mean, barely clinging on. I think their status <laughs> at some point is going to be <laughs> looked at again if they keep losing. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for talking ACC basketball. Yeah, you and, got it. <laughs> and Orioles baseball, of course, here on the Couches of the Mass and All Access podcast. Orioles Director of Player Development, Matt Blood, joining us here. Thanks so much, Matt. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And, of course, the Mass and All Access podcast is brought to you by Toyota for legendary safety and reliability. Choose Toyota and let's go places. We will be back next week. Usual time, usual place, Wednesdays at 11 a.m.